You're listening to the Inside City Rod podcast, episode number four with Mark Lenhart. Welcome to the Inside Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Roberts. In this show, we explore the world of international education and meaningful travel with some fascinating guests, a little friendly debate, and a whole lot of practical advice. Let's get going. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really excited to bring you episode number four today with Mark Lenhart. But first, a few little tidbits from my life and what's going on at Inside Study Abroad. You may be noticing that my voice is back, which is an amazing improvement over the last week and a half, sounding a little bit manly and just feeling really tired in my vocal cords. So it's really great to have my voice back. And I also wanted to let you guys know that I'm heading to the Global Internship Conference in Boston this week. If you guys don't know what the GIC is, definitely check it out. It's a small, pretty small conference, obviously focused on international internships, and it's going to be a really fun event event this year. I'm actually attending because I was invited to participate in a debate. So as part of their reception, they host a debate with different people from from the field where we each tackle a pretty big topic and issue and try to win over the Senate in this case uh, to vote for our our big idea. And I'm not going to spoil it and what my big idea is in case any of my competitors are are listening in, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we each get about seven minutes to speak on our topic and, and hopefully I'm able to win over the audience and get an amazing law passed. So if you're going to be at GIC, please uh, say hi. If you see me around, I would love to chat with you and yeah, so I'll see you guys in Boston. The other thing that is happening here is I'm still hammering away at all my NAFSA follow-ups. As you guys may know from the last episode, I had a ton of meetings, and so I'm slowly trying to chip away at those because I want to send thoughtful responses, and but I do also don't want to send a million emails in one day. So it's it's sort of a slowly chipping away at that. Um, if you missed it, actually, last week, Natalie Garrett, uh, who works at Via TRM, and I, we did an inside chat where it's a video chat where we talked about this whole concept of recovering from your NAFSA networking hangover, as I like to call it. That sort of overwhelm of all the th- things you have to catch up on from being away, plus how do you do all this follow-up, whether you're job searching or developing new partnerships, or if you just have a ton of new ideas from all the workshops you attended, how do you process it all? How do you make sense of all? And most importantly, how do you take action? And so we talked a lot about that. If you are interested and want to catch the re- play, you can go over to insidestudyabroad.com forward slash inside chat, and you'll be able to see that along with all of the future recordings and and upcoming live chats that we're going to be hosting over on Inside Study Abroad. If you have ideas for topics uh, that you'd like me to cover or guests you think I should bring on to, to talk about different areas of the field, especially tactical things that we can be doing in our day-to-day work, I would love those suggestions. Send them on over on our Contact Us page, and I would love to see your ideas. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes, as I like to say, of this episode. And today's guest is Mark Lenhart, as I mentioned, and he's the executive director of CET Academic Programs. This is an interview I'm actually dusting off from the archives, as uh, many of these feature um, 
interviews will be. I will be rolling out new ones, I promise you guys, but I want to do the courtesy to these great people I've already interviewed and, and roll out their interviews I did with them. But the stories and the ideas that Mark and I talk about, they're actually pretty timeless. I was pretty impressed by how much I didn't need to edit out from, from this episode. The one really big change, however, that's happened for Mark, uh, since we recorded this episode, is that he's now an owner and shareholder of Academic Travel Abroad, ATA, which is the parent company to CET. Now this, if you guys you know are not familiar with sort of the, the world of, of business and things like this, this is a huge deal for a Mark. It's, it's an amazing accomplishment and frankly, likely long overdue for someone who's definitely dedicated his entire career to this one organization. And so I just have to say congratulations, Mark. It's a, it's a big win and a big step in your career. So it's absolutely deserved and a big congratulations. In addition to that, I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention the recent shootings in or shooting, I should say, in Orlando this past weekend. As you likely know, over 50 people were killed and another over 50 people were injured by a gunman at a nightclub there. A majority of the people that were impacted or killed or injured were of the LGBT community. And so this is this is pretty devastating. Um, it's the going down in history as the worst mass shooting in, in our history and and, and it's just kind of weird and uncomfortable to, to feel like, wow, how, how do we have more than one of these, let alone dozens of these in our history and in, in my lifetime? And I'm, and I'm not that old. I just have to say my heart and every, my whole team at Inside Study Abroad, our heart goes out to everyone that was impacted. But more importantly, beyond you know sending my condolences, I have to say I'm mobilizing my voice and my vote. And I encourage everyone to contact their representatives in Congress and your preferred presidential candidate and let them know that something has to change in this country and we need to be doing something different. What we're doing now clearly isn't working and whatever whatever that needs to look like, uh, we need to try a different approach. Otherwise, we're just insane if we keep trying the same things over and over again. So make sure you let your voice be heard with your vote and your wallet this this election cycle especially and let's let's do something together in our community to to make sure that these things don't happen again. I I also want to sort of a segue nicely into this is that uh, Mark uh, is a proud member of the LGBT community and he is an active contri- contributor to the work we're doing in IE to support LGBT students abroad. Mark and I in this interview actually don't touch on that topic, but I think it's a great reason to bring him back on the show so we can discuss this issue and among many other issues and the work we're doing to help LGBT students have meaningful international experiences. So with that, let's go to the show. One of my favorite people and probably one of the funniest people in study abroad, I'm going to say it, Uh, but this is Mark Lenhart, the executive director of CET Academic Programs. And CET um, has some of, actually the most unique and off the beaten path study abroad programs around. It's a really interesting lineup you guys have. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Brooke. It's great to be here. And thanks for putting pressure on me to be funny. I see you're already funny. See, All right. you're done. You check that box. All right, right. cool. Good. What is your study abroad story? Well, I, like a lot of people, I got into study abroad. Um, at, you know, as a study abroad student, I um, I grew up in a really I, I grew up all over the the Northeast and landed in a small town in Connecticut. And um, 
you know, before I got to college, I knew I wanted to study abroad. I knew there was a great big world out there and uh, much, much bigger than the, the great but little tiny town that I grew up in. And I, uh, I started Chinese as a freshman uh, at Bowdoin College and uh, eventually got on the CET program uh, my junior year. And uh, was, I was in Beijing and so excited to be there. Uh, this was in 1987. Uh, so you can imagine China was incredibly different right. from what it's like today uh, and so different at that time from the United States. And I think it was the difference that got me really, really turned on to study abroad. Yeah. Um, it looked like those pictures that you sometimes see today of people in Mao suits and what they call the, the uh, cloth shoes. Um, everyone was on a bike. Uh, people didn't have cars the way they do now, completely different uh, from the United States. And also very, um, because communication was so difficult in those days from the United States to China, uh, we didn't have internet, we didn't have cell phones, obviously. Uh, it was really isolating and in a way that was sort of positive for me. It was a great way to kind of uh, get away from home and, and really uh, explore kind of, you know, life as a study abroad student. It was really, really amazing. Did you, had you ever been abroad before, before studying abroad in China? I had never been abroad. In fact, I think I'd only been on one airplane before. Wow. Uh, and our flight to Beijing, I think, was JFK to San Francisco, you know, to Hawaii, to Narita, to Beijing. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, long, long trip. Um, we landed in the middle of the night. And in those days, there was just a uh, like sort of a, a single lane highway from the airport to uh, the heart of Beijing. So it was completely different from what it, what it was like, what things are like now for our students. Yeah. But really, really cool and, and again, so different. I, you I know, get and I'll more tell impressed you, by you every time we talk because I cannot <laughs> believe you for the first time. you just like, yeah, I'm going to go to China yeah. in, you know, in that, especially in that time period. I think today it, 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 it doesn't seem as crazy, but I feel like that, that, I'm going to say it's really ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. you know, and I'll tell you also what, what it wasn't easy, actually. And I remember, um, even though I'd had two years of Chinese, my language skills were not great. And just getting things that everyday things that you needed was really tough. Mm -hmm. um, but through the year, one thing that really helped me was I made great Chinese friends. And uh, my Chinese friends were also language students. They were studying Spanish, uh, German, different languages. And they were very good about being sort of a hard ass on me with my language skills. I mean, really, when I said something incorrectly, they would be right there to say, to laugh at me and poke fun at me um, and, and to actually get me to improve, you know, get me to repeat after them and say it correctly. So um, throughout the year, it was really my... Uh, reliance on my Chinese friends that made made it a lot easier and, and made it a lot more fun, too. Yeah, I bet. That sounds awesome. So you studied abroad through CET, which right. I think is so cool, and now you're running CET. So let's talk about that, like that evolution. You come back from China, you graduate, so how, how do you land where you are? What's the evolution of that? Yeah, um, well, during my year at, at in the CET program, I, I really watched the, the staff, um, and I was interested in what they were doing. They did a, an amazing job with us in really difficult um, circumstances. It was really hard to get things done in China in those days. Um, and I was really inspired by that. And I thought I knew I wanted to go back to China, but I, and, and I thought maybe 
going as a resident director would be a good way to do it. But I didn't really have the language skills and I wasn't quite ready for that. So I did the Hopkins Nanjing Center program in Nanjing, China, right after I graduated. And during that year, I looked into different study abroad programs, applied to a whole bunch, and ultimately was hired to be the Harbin, the CET Harbin resident director um, for the next academic year. Then transitioned after that year to be a resident director in Beijing, then moved uh, back to the headquarters um, here at CET. And I've really stayed put ever since then, believe it or not. I often, I often say I'm, I'm the guy that got off the bus at the first stop, which is good. I mean, I, it's, it's, um, I, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to be in study abroad. And, it, you know, every year has been, um, you know, full of new challenges and interesting developments, both at CET and in the field. And so it's been relatively easy for me to stay put. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is definitely one of those fields where it's hard to sort of get bored with it. There, cause there's, even if in your position, like there's other positions in the same field where you could still do a lot of different things, but working on the same sort of mission. I think that's awesome. Right. Uh, and, I, and I was going to say, especially, you know, at CT, we, we now are in eight different countries. Uh -huh. um, so we're a completely different organization than we were even 10 years ago. And so the challenges for me and for our staff are, um, you know, really significant. You know, how do you, how do you go from a smaller company to a bigger company? Uh -huh. I, you know, how does that look? Um, what kind of new staff do you need? Those are all things that are new challenges for us. And I think that's also representative of, of the field. A lot of, a lot of organizations, a lot of schools have seen growth in their numbers and they're trying to figure out how to add people in a way that makes sense, how to structure the organization in a way that makes sense. And, um, so that, that makes it always interesting. Never a dull moment. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. No, well, I imagine like too going from maybe pigeonholed a little bit CET as sort of a, a China or even Asia provider, and then trying to expand outside of that region is probably challenging. I'm sure. I know Global Links. You know, going from Australia to Global Links was also a challenge for them. Sort of getting people to think of them like, oh no, we have other places people can go. That's so right. I bet that was one of those bigger marketing and administration staffing questions you guys had to answer. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so I one of my uh, one of the things I want to ask you about. So last a year and a half ago, I was lucky enough to um, go to the CET reception. You guys, I think it was an anniversary reception, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. It was our, it was our 30th. Okay, great. So yep. it was in, in Shanghai during the CIEE conference, and you guys had this great reception. It's really cool, and I loved it because we were sort of. Um, I don't know where I was, but I was somewhere not at the <laughs> conference location, which was great. But one of the things that happened there is you guys had current students at the event, which I thought was awesome. And then you also had a video compilation of interviews that had been done with alumni of your program. They'd been recent alumni and even further along. And their reflections and what they um, – and if you guys had that online, I'll definitely link to it um, in okay. the show notes. But I just thought it was really, it was really powerful. I know a lot of programs, universities, providers, everybody has that kind of goldmine of uh, feedback and uh, testimonials out there. But I just thought it was really great how you guys packaged that up, and um, and just the students, their ability to articulate. Even talking to a bunch of them in person, it was really impressive. I mean, sometimes younger people are like, oh my gosh, this is the future, but they were they were amazing. So yeah, what do you think? They're amazing. You know, <laughs> And kudos to the students, absolutely, but what do you think helps CET's program stand apart that you had these students with these amazing experiences that have carried through their lives? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, thank you for coming to our reception. <laughs> I think I um, technically crashed, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for um, allowing me. Yeah, it was it was really great to be able to showcase our alumni and our current students. Um, I, you know, our students are everything. They're the whole reason we do this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really important, I think, to give them a voice and, and hear from them. Um, I, I think we attract a certain kind of student who are... Uh, adventurous, they're academically minded, they're thinking they, you know, they don't want to go and just, you know, have fun. That they want to have fun, but that can't be the only thing that they want to do. They want to do more than that. Um, And they're very interested in immersion. Um, And the way we've structured our programs really speak to that and help them, you know, get at that. One of the things that's unique about not only our China programs, but all of our programs is we place all of our students with local roommates. And it's a, this is a really important thing that we do that not a lot of providers do. Um, and it, it man, it's really challenging. You know, a lot of our students, a lot of students in study abroad think, well, I don't really want to live with anyone, um, let alone a, a student from the local place, right? I'd, I'd much rather live with a group of Americans. And um, so it's challenging, but they get so much out of it and they really, ultimately what happens is they, they develop a real connection to that city and that place. And I think one of the things that, you know, we're really proud about is that so many of our graduates end up going back to that country after they graduate because they view the study abroad piece as a first step in maybe lifelong learning uh, about that particular place or that region. The roommates really just connect them in a way that, that you know, other things don't. Um, we want them to have fun with their American classmates, but we're not about building relationships between Americans. You know, we want the students to go and really get connected to the, to the place. And I think that's probably what you heard yeah. was a reflection of, of the fact that the students are really connected to wherever they were. And the language also is so important. They, you know, we really push them in the language classroom and uh, we want them to make really significant strides in short amounts of time. And again, the roommates really help with that. So Mark, do you, do you teach them Chinese the way you were taught Chinese? Do you laugh at them and, and correct <laughs> them and throw things at them until they like, hey, right? <laughs> the no button? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes, we got it! <laughs> Don't make them cry, bro. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe they're crying. You know, well, speaking to that, I think you made a really great point in that um, it is challenging for your students. And and I think a lot of students, a lot of places they can go. Um, And I love that you pointed that out. And one of the things I feel like we should be super proud of and just drive home every day of the week as professionals in international ed is that it should be challenging. It should feel so right. gross and uncomfortable and you hate it and you want to cry and you want to go home. Like I, I always tell people, if you don't feel that way several times throughout your experience, then you've done study abroad wrong. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and, the, the, the challenge, challenge uh, results in growth, right? Yeah. Um, if you have a, you know, having worked as a resident director, I, I have this perspective and I, I think it's really important when you have a student who comes to you who's really upset, who is just having a horrible time, you know, the last thing they want to hear is, well, guess what? You're growing. Yeah, you know? I know. You don't, okay, want to, no. you don't want to do that. Yeah. But you can think, well, maybe what's happening is, you know, actually 
we're achieving part of what we want to do, which is to make put them in an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter together, and you know my tagline is making study abroad students uncomfortable since 1990. Yeah. Um, and I love that idea of discomfort, you know, putting students in situations that that is uncomfortable for them, because I think that's where a lot of the learning takes place. And then our job is to like help them figure out the tools to get through that challenge, and then they're better on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned it in sort of your intro section about the use of technology and your experience. I mean, the way you described your experience in Beijing probably looks a lot different than a student that's there right now. So, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think with Facebook and internet and everything that students are getting a, a quality experience like you got? That's a great question. Actually, I was talking about it with um, a staff member here uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it's it's very different but it's not necessarily bad. You know, I think, in fact, the technology, if, if you think about it, the technology can be used to enhance the immersion in some ways. Um, you know, for instance, in China, there are these amazing chat rooms and online communities that exist. And, um, you know, if our students are accessing them and doing it in Chinese, how cool is that, right? They're learning about a community that they might not learn about through technology. And they learn how to do that from their roommates. Right. I mean, that's that's they see their roommates doing that, and then they figure out, well, here's an interesting community that I can join. Um, so I'm, I'm not anti-technology at all. I think the question is, I mean, it becomes a problem if students are studying abroad in order to post Facebook posts, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, their whole thing is about putting doing a selfie so that they can put a, a Facebook post. Right, but they don't know what the selfie is in front of. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a problem. That's yeah. a problem. But I think um, if students are encouraged to think critically about the technology and think about ways that they can harness it to actually make inroads to their local community, it's fabulous. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I kind of with you on that. I, I can go both ways. Some days I'm like, internet ruined it. Because I mean, I'm even <laughs> old enough where I didn't have internet on my study abroad experience. Right. So I had to go to, if, I think my last semester that I studied abroad in my senior year, I could go to the London School of Economics library and access the internet. And it was dial-up, you know? Yep. So it wasn't, uh, you know, on in every Starbucks or wherever you could go. And, um, but I could get a Starbucks, though. <laughs> so, uh, but I think that, you know, it does, it, it, it does hinder the experience in a lot of the ways that people talk about it hindering it because people are so attached to still staying connected at home. But I, I absolutely believe that if, people, if we figure out really cool ways to use these platforms, right. even as on-site directors or study abroad offices at, back at home, figure out cool ways to use it so that it does enhance the student's experience and compare, even like comparison of you know their friend who went to Peru and they're in Beijing. And there's a lot of different ways. I did a session CIEE on this topic with a couple of colleagues, and it was really well received. And we talked about innovative ways of using social media to enhance the learning experience. So we didn't talk about marketing. That wasn't our, our uh, uh, point. But it right. was very well received by a lot of people. But I will tell you, we did get a comment from somebody in, you know, in the, the reviews after. And one person said in his, or, his, or her, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, uh, but in that person's 25-year career, it was the most terrifying session they'd ever been to. That's what they wrote, wow. terrifying. And I just thought, wow, I think this brings up a great discussion point, just even around generational divides as professionals about, you know, using different 
learning methods, I won't even say technology, to get to the right. same end. And, and I feel it could be a great roundtable at Forum next year. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's great. And it's absolutely true that my experience was so radically different from our students today. And, you know, I think it's important to keep that in mind when you're designing new programs and understanding, you know, understanding today's students is really, really important. Right. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, in terms of technology, we should watch how local people use technology. So if, if roommates are online a lot and are doing stuff with their friends through social media, let's learn how to do that with them. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Let's, let's figure out a way to integrate that into the program mm -hmm. uh, and not shut it out just because we didn't have that when we were in study abroad right. 25 years ago. Right, I, yeah. I absolutely agree. I want to talk to you a little bit about the the professionalization of our field. We talked a little bit about this. I interviewed you for my How to Be a Rockstar, because you're clearly yeah. a rock star, uh, <laughs> a video that I put together for my NASA presentation. And one of the things that you and I had discussed was talking about how in our field we're getting to the point where we're so professionalized in our best practices in terms of executing study abroad but that there may be a gap now in terms of helping people become better managers of people, you know, in a, in a workplace environment, those types of tactics as opposed to health and safety all the time, which is so important. But then you also right. need to know how do you manage people? How do you do budgeting? How do you forecast um, expenditures and, and I didn't say revenue and profit, but more from like even a university budgetary, you know, point of view. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about that. It's a big question, so. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think um, that's a great topic, and I think uh, the field really has professionalized so much, um, you know, in the last 10, 20 years. It's incredible. Um, uh, what I'm interested in right now is, the, is those particular skills that are specifically tied to, to study abroad or education abroad. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting to think about is the, the best practices for managing from a distance because so many of us have staff who are either you know in different parts of the United States or further afield out internationally and you know there's a whole set of, of issues related to communication or um, you know misunderstandings perhaps or, or what have you um, that are related to the fact to just to that setup mm -hmm. and we all deal with that um, but no one really has, has put together, you know, training programs for people who are managing from a distance. Yeah. Um, there are, locally, we've done some training programs here. We've attended different, different programs in D.C. Uh, that are related to this topic, but they don't do it nearly as well as we think we do. <laughs> um, so I know there's room for improvement in this, in this area. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that you said about that, I mean, I, and something that you had said when we had talked last year was um, looking to other industries on their right. best practices in, in, this, in this area. And, you know, so one of the things, you know, I would throw out there, for instance, to anybody who was like, oh, I'm, I have all this remote staff, I don't know how to manage that. There's a company that's totally different industry, total Silicon Valley-esque, you know, startup. Um, but there's this company called Buffer App, and it's a social media platform. It's not a social media platform, but it's a tool for social media um, scheduling. And 
but they, they, you know, they're a multi-million dollar company, you know, doing tons of in, um, seed rounds in, in terms of fundraising and things like that. And they, they are entirely remote. I think they have three people huh. that work together in San Francisco, but the rest of their team is almost entirely remote. And they, and they have, they're, they pride themselves on transparency. So they have a blog where they talk about here are the biggest challenges we faced when we first started being, you know, managing remote. Right. They have a whole section of articles all about managing from a distance or, you know, building a team from a distance, whatever it is. And I think that you made a great point. It's like the, there are so many people doing, you know, similar type of work or having the same type of business challenges, but in completely different industries that we could look to. Yeah, I, totally. I mean, I, um, one of the things that we're looking at right now is really changing the, the way we communicate with our, with all of our remote people. Um, and, uh, thanks to Jocelyn Flint, who is our director of communications here. We are actually, we have a, a major project where we're basically doing communication through a cloud. Um, you know, we, we've started to think about communication um, as being no longer DC centric, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to go only this way. Mm -hmm. It can also go from, you know, different offices around the planet uh, between those offices rather than going necessarily absolutely through us. And, and the way to do that is to move from a sort of centralized server to something that's more cloud-based. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really changing the whole way we conceive of communication, which is, you know, the heart of management and especially in a remote case. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying new things and, and, you know, learning as we go. And um, there's a lot, as you said, that we can learn from other industries. I think that's a really good point. Well, can you throw out one tool that you guys are trying out on your team, that even if you're just testing it, that I could link to? Well, um, no. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, and it's not, there's a no uh, button. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, I, actually, I just because I'm not, I'm they they haven't yet figured out which um, platform they're going to use, and exactly. so I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's in development. I will I will tell you sort of a trick that that we do that I think is sort of clever and that really helps. Um, we have our regular CET staff me meeting every week at the same time. And um, at the end of that staff meeting, we do something called Juicy Gossip. It's actually on the agenda, Juicy Gossip. Um, and it's a time when those who are at the meeting can share anything that you might have shared at the water cooler, you know, but that, that we can share as a group. That goes into the minutes. That's sent out to all of our overseas staff. So there's a little nod, a little effort to... Mm -hmm trying to get beyond just the work and share stuff that's going on in our personal lives. Oh, that's great. Um, and, you know, it's it's usually celebrity sightings or things like that. Um, yeah. But it kind of breaks down that barrier that often exists between our office and the overseas offices. And ha having worked in an overseas office for CET, I know how difficult it can be to just get that that email at the, at the start of your day, and that's kind of all you have from from the head office, and you've got to then figure out, well, what did she mean when she said that? You know, is that is she mad at me, or you know, what, whatever it is, um, and you know, so it helps break down those barriers and, and makes us all feel connected. That's I think. Awesome. Yeah, one of the things I want to work on is creating a resource uh, sort of guide on Inside City Broad because in this last year, you know, as a lot of people know, I haven't been working in international ed. I've been starting my own company and 
as a result of that, I've discovered so many. And I would say, you know, like a small city rod office is like a small business. You know, right. you're trying to hack your way through the day, just, you know, uh, hustle. And, it, and to, when I was running a one-person study rod office, it did feel like a startup hustle environment, you know? And Absolutely. So, so I definitely want to try to create some kind of resource list because I think there's productivity tools, um, project management tools, all sorts of things that are free that people could be using within their office, you know, if they're one location or, you know, with on-site people as well that helps break down some of that confusion that could exist. What do you think are two really important qualities Maybe even like beyond some of the standards, like great communication skills. I mean, I feel like that those are kind of givens, but sometimes they're not. Right. But those are kind of givens. But what are some unique things maybe about international education or even like SCT, what you're really looking for in people? Yeah, um, I, I think, um, you know, for us, what's really important, a um, couple things. One is if we're hiring for an entry level position, I, I always ask questions about, um, management experience, which sounds a little funny, but um, maybe the question is, you know, what kind of manager would you be if you had people reporting to you? And part of the reason I do that is we, we like to hire people that will, who will grow into other positions. And we want to know that they've thought about what that would feel like and, you know, what, what kind of manager they might be. Um, so we often ask questions during the interview that go well beyond that current position. So I would tell people, you know, think, think not only about this position at this organization, but what else might you like to do at that organization and be prepared to sort of answer questions about maybe a different job. Um, because, the, you know, the way things work, you know, as we grow, new positions are created all the time. And, and we want to find people who are willing to, um, you know, move beyond their current position and, and, and do something maybe a little bit different um, in a year or two, right? Um, I always ask questions about passion um, and not passion for study abroad because I know that everyone has that. Yeah. Um, tell me something you're passionate about outside of study abroad. And what I'm really listening for is, um, you know, I, I want to know this is an interesting person that's, that's got kind of a well-rounded approach to life. Um, and that also because... I think burnout is a real problem in our field. Um, I want someone who can, who has outside interests, who can think about um, developing a really good work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So for you, if it's yoga, you know, I would I would want to make sure you were doing lots of yoga outside of work um, because that that makes you a better person on the job as well. Yeah, I think those are great. Those are awesome points. Thank you. Um, you say, everybody listen, listen to what Mark said. <laughs> uh, uh, my hope is that I have this whole library of interviews that people could just watch all of them eventually, and then they'll be perfect for every job. Because everybody actually brings a, 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 few, a, a different angle, at least, or a completely different perspective on, you know, a few tips that people can have. And if they watched every interview I've ever done, they'd get a lot of amazing tips. Um, yeah, that's so. great. Well, you're, you're <laughs> so, such a great interviewer. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, so, um, okay, so last question. I close out every interview the same way. Um, and so I'm going to cheat a little bit with you, though. I'm going to put a parameter on it. You can't choose China, okay? So, oh. <laughs> so if you could go back to college knowing everything you know about the world and the study abroad experience, et cetera, you have the same level of knowledge that you do now, where would you study abroad and why? I would choose Brazil. I think uh, Brazil has a lot of... The, the things that drew me to China might also 
the same things that drew me to China might also draw me to Brazil uh, today. Yeah. I, I probably didn't say that right, but you know what I mean. I got it. Um, you know, it's got um, the, the economy is taking off. There's a lot of interest in trade with Brazil, um, but there are not a lot of Americans there. So you can go and really be special, immerse yourself, and the language is fantastic. It's not particularly easy, but it's easier than Chinese. Yeah. <laughs>、um, and so students with a Spanish background can go and and make really quick strides in terms of language. So I would say Brazil. I would love to go there and spend some time, spend you know, two years or something, and really learn the language.、Yeah. Um, probably not going to happen anytime soon. But <laughs> if I could go back, I would definitely say Brazil. Right. I have a fun fact about Brazil. When I was working for Semester C, I spent ten days in Salvador, which is oh wow, and, yeah.、Uh, And I randomly spoke at a college there <laughs> about what it's like to study abroad in the U.S. Oh, awesome! <laughs> wow. Just a random connection I had anyway with through a friend, and they're like, "Ooh, we have students wanting to study abroad in the U.S.,、so、we talk about it." It was random, so fun. Well, and there are a lot of Brazilians coming to the U.S.、Yeah. actually, maybe because of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>、um, no, but I think that's great. You probably made a big impression on them, and. Maybe some of them, some of them did end up studying abroad in the U.S. Yeah, yeah that's great. I'm gonna ask Mark to send me a photo of him when he was studying abroad in China. Okay. Do you have、wow. one? Of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Got some really ridiculous pictures. Oh my god! I can't wait to see one. Yeah. So, Mark, thank you. This was awesome. Thank you for being here. And there you have it, you guys. Thank you so much, Mark, for being on the show. If you guys want to connect with Mark, you can do so over on Twitter. His handle is Mark Lenhart DC. If you'd like to connect with me personally, you can connect with me as the New Dorothy over on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. If you're down with that, and also you can connect with Inside Study Abroad, our corporate accounts, as In Study Abroad on Instagram and Twitter. I will see you guys in the next episode. And again, if you're coming to the Global Internship Conference this week, I would love to say hey and and have a coffee with you. So I'll see you guys soon. Bye for now.